Hello, folks. You are listening to Rewriting Our Future, a Mind Control Exodus, with me, Paul Henning. Join us on our journey as we explore and actively work to deprogram ourselves from the forces in the world that socially engineer our lives. Are the politicians, doctors, scientific experts, and news anchors telling us the truth? Is school, pop culture, social media, and television programming supporting the development of our highest consciousness, healthiest bodies, and most sovereign selves? The more we research and listen to our intuition, the more we find that this answer is a loud and resounding no. And so, we are rewriting our future to opt out of the mind control these forces tirelessly aim to manipulate and coerce us with. Welcome to the show, where we are all figuring this out together. Hello out there. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of Rewriting Our Future, a Mind Control Exodus. This week, I'm really excited to bring to you Sophie Fletcher, PhD. I first was introduced to Sophie with her few episodes on the Here for the Truth podcast. And then after I signed up for their group coaching container, she was one of the facilitators. And the content that she brought into those two months um, when I was with her was stuff that I'd never, ever considered. And a lot of it really opened my mind up to the way our bodies, the physical responses, our bodies, the way we feel, not how we interpret them intellectually with words, but the way that our our natural animal bodies respond to certain situations can be so revealing and is often a perfect place to start the work to do, to heal and to grow and to change and to find your your true potential. It's like a bottom-up approach as opposed to a top-down that starts with like sitting across from a couch with someone talking about your feelings. Her work is extremely valuable. You should find her. Uh, you can search her on the podcast places wherever you get yours and find her do, uh, doing interviews with different people. It's really, really powerful stuff that I think everyone should know and be taught <laughs> since we were kids. Um, it's like a hack that seems so obvious once she explains it. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and I was really grateful to have her on today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rewriting Our Future. I am super excited and blessed today to have with me my ghost, my my ghost, my guest, Sophie <laughs> Fletcher, PhD. How are you doing today, Sophie? I'm great. So happy to be here. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, thank you. It was really, uh, really appreciative that you were available and willing to come on and talk to me. Um, before I get into your bio, I will say that you were a co-facilitator of the Rise Above the Herd group coaching container that I just finished last week or so, and your um, contributions were extremely valuable, and uh, I couldn't have anticipated how much impact the work that you do was going to have on me. Um, so I really appreciated that time, and so I'm excited today to get to pick your brain a little more to further uh, dive into these topics that you've spent your life um, studying at this point. Thanks. Uh, okay, so Sophie is, like I said, the co-facilitator of the Rise Above the Herd. She has a master's degree in spiritual psychology, is trained in multiple bodywork modalities, has advanced level training in somatic experiencing, and has another master's and PhD in depth psychology with an emphasis in somatic studies. She believes the body speaks in symbols and symptoms, making the objective to listen carefully to these unconscious ways of being, and she guides as guides into the hidden shadow that could be inhibiting one's being. Her intention is always to come with full compassion and resonance, focusing on being entirely with the person in front of her and attending to what comes forward through the innate wisdom of their body. 
And I, yeah. can, I can I can confirm some of that for sure. Being in some of those um, group coaching calls with you, it definitely definitely felt like you were really with us. Um, would you share a little bit about what that means? What somatic studies means? Because it was new to me. Yeah. So somatic. Um, I always like to tell this story just from the beginning because some people ha still haven't heard of the word somatic. And and back when I uh, I wasn't actually searching for a PhD program. I will say that uh, it fell into my lap, and um, it I it was neon pointing arrows, which is why I did it. I had zero intention and zero wanting of my own to do it. Um, but anyway, I ended up on this website for Pacifica Graduate Institute, and they had this master's PhD in somatics, um, somatic studies within and depth psychology. And I didn't know the word somatic, even though I was now trained in multiple bodywork modalities, as you said, and I had been working with people in this way, I just didn't know that word specifically. And so I highlighted it and put it in good old Wikipedia. And it came back uh, with this definition. I was like, oh, it's, it's a PhD in what I'm already doing. So hmm. that makes sense. So that's why I ended up doing it. But um, somatic is a Greek word, um, and it, it really means the lived body, so the experience of being in a body. What is your experience of living in this physical realm with all the pieces that come with that, the sensations, the experiences um, that are not possible if you don't have a physical body? So it's really the lived, the lived experience. It's a different mm -hmm. thing when you just talk about the body <clears throat> itself. We're talking about the, the experiential piece um, of being in a body when we're talking about somatics. And then with the depth psychology specifically <clears throat> um, and somatics in general, it's really about the awareness, deepening our awareness of ourselves, our attunement with ourselves, um, being able to navigate everything that's happening within our bodies, our, our experiences, um, and really looking at part of my framework is that our body holds everything. So it holds our shadow, it holds our unconscious. Hmm. Uh, one of my absolute favorite quotes is by Robert Romanishan, and he was talking about a client who had come to see him, and he said, her body remembered what was too important to forget, but too painful to keep in present consciousness. Hmm. So like our body holds, we, we experience life through all of our senses, through our bodies. And so our body holds all of this memory, all of this information that is just too much and probably too overwhelming to consciously keep in our present you know, awareness, especially in traumatic events, especially in these big experiences of life, um, for better or worse, you know, good ones, bad ones, our bodies hold that. So even in that, when you said, you know, <laughs> following the wisdom of the body, that's my intention is that the person in front of me, their body knows, their, their being knows, their somatic intelligence knows way more than I do. Yeah. I only know the the pieces that they're, you know, speaking to me, that they're consciously able to share with me, but their body is speaking, I mean, just so much more. Hmm. Um, 
in terms of gestures, in terms of expressions, in terms of tone and like everything is happening. Yeah. Um, and so that's when you work with someone somatically, I say, cause even like somatic experiencing and NARM and some of my other trainings, it's, it's vocal. We're talking, it's talk therapy, but I'm really just, I'm, I'm more focusing on the body. I'm more focusing on what's happening underneath the words. I'm more focused on sort of like, especially with me, the, the nervous system, like what's all of that versus just the plain story that someone's telling me because yeah. I mean, even Freud and, and Jung and like all these people talked about it, how yeah, talk therapy is great, but there's a certain censorship just inherently. You can be as truthful as you want to be and can be, but there's going to be a certain level of just analyzing for yourself and then deciding what you're saying, what you're not saying, how you're going to say it, how, you know, all of that, which yeah. the body doesn't really take part in as much. Right. So you can really get under the surface a little bit, hmm. which is what yeah. Mike found. So that's, he's the, he's the founding father of more of the somatic work. Hmm. Cool. Well, thanks for helping uh, explain that a little bit. You know, it sounds so simple when you explain it, but these concepts are like novel to me and uh, I'm, to many others. I'm sure you hear a lot of people tell you like, wow, I wish I would have known this a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I said it in our, in our course together and in, in our um, group things, but the, you know, the main thing I hear is like, I feel like I'm in kindergarten again. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, we kind of are because how many of us did learn this in kindergarten? How many of us, middle school, high school, college, even for me, you know, my first master's program, all of that, like the body wasn't included. No. We weren't taught to feel into our bodies, to follow our impulses, to, yeah. it's very much the opposite. Like you pee when you're told that you're allowed to, you eat when you're told that it's time to eat, you play when you're told that it's time to play. You're, otherwise you sit still you do exactly what we say and your body is controlled right by outside forces so none of us have well i won't say none of us i'll say the majority of us have probably not been that hasn't been an emphasis of like what do you want what do you need what's what's your feeling what's your sensations right now what are you aware of right now in your body mm -hmm. and so we're just taught to override we're taught to numb out that experience um it's yeah, it's sad. So we just, yeah. it's starting from the beginning. Yeah, it's so true. And even like the way, you know, if you would have asked me before, someone would have said, you know, how do you feel? Not what do you think? Like, how do you feel? I would have responded with an emotional response. If someone would ask me, how do I feel? I would have said sad or angry or something. But what you did in your, in the course, watching you work on with others and myself is, you like you said you get under the words you said well, how did your body feel you know um and it was like really challenging for a lot of us to even understand what you're saying it's like what do you mean how i feel i told you i feel sad and you're like i, I hear that but like what does your what is your body physically doing um and that yeah. was just like mind-blowing it's still hard for me to to, to try to think about it but I, i've been working on trying to understand that more in myself um and is this i heard you on a podcast the other day and you were it was talking about like top down versus bottom up um yeah would you talk about that a little bit is that kind of the same differentiation between the consciousness and or the body and the mind yeah so somatic work is is bottom up 
generally speaking, whereas more uh, traditional talk therapy is going to be top down. So more talking, as you're saying, of like describing things. Um, if we're coming from more of that body sensations, your experience, that's bottom up. So if we're thinking about the the body as sort mm -hmm. of like just in terms of like physical levels, you know, yeah. like the body is below the head, the, the head is at the top of the body, mm -hmm. whereas top down is going to be, oh, we're just talking about what's happening mm -hmm. or what we're aware of and things like that. Um, more of the traditional, let me tell you my, you know, trials and tribulations from childhood. Right. Um, that's another really big piece, actually, that I could have mentioned earlier is that, um, my focus so even in a story or something you're telling me about you know childhood or whatever um that's great and my focus and especially a somatic focus is going to be on how is that now for you hmm. so yes x y and z happened when you were little but how is that still alive for you now present in your body like as you're telling me whatever you're telling me what is it that you're aware of somatically for yourself right now because it's fine to sort of recap and and share and some of that can be good and some of that can be nice and cathartic and all of that but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's moving it mm -hmm. it can sort of just stay as the story and how many of us me definitely have had the experience of like oh i just rehashed the same story over and over and over again right but it's not actually shifting anything so my my intention and somatic work intention is more around like right now in your lived experience how is that for you and then working with that hmm. so not necessarily like how was that for you when you were three how is that for you now and how can we work with that so that like one of the big things we talked about a lot in the course is you have adaptive behaviors that were great. They kept you alive. They kept you safe. Good job. Wonderful. Yeah. We're so happy. Um, and at the same time, they may be maladaptive now. Right. Because the resources that you had as a young person, even a baby, are very, very different than the resources and capabilities that you have now. Mm -hmm. But your nervous system, your on and off nervous system went, oh, this worked. This kept me safe. This kept me alive. And so now we just need to update them. So that's yeah. what I mean by that's great. That worked for you then, or that experience was that for you then. How can we now work with it in the present moment of you? I work with adults. So as an adult capable, aware, able to, you know, adapt differently. Yeah. And then sort of working with that so that we're not stuck in the, the same loop, loop, loop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really, um, it's a really powerful lens to take uh, on yourself, you know, because I remember a couple of years ago trying to be like more uh, having more emotional intelligence and having like more psychological awareness. Then I could be like, OK, you know, like the Viktor Frankl thing. It's like, OK, there's a moment where I can decide on how to act based on what's happening. Right. I can choose my own happiness and and I can choose the perspective that I take on whatever circumstances. And that is great. And that's really powerful. Um, but what you are talking about is is different in a way to me because it's like what does my body need to do what does my body want to do and it, and i think a lot of times what i have done in the past is no matter how what 
I felt in my mind and my emotions or in my body, I kind of thought that, you know, I was supposed to go like meditate and I was supposed to take this energy, whether it be like psychological or physical, and I was supposed to still it like a pond or something. But, you know, the concept that you helped me understand is like, well, what you that's not necessarily always the case, right? There are different way there are different ways your body wants to react. Just like you were talking about a minute ago with being in school, right? You tell you mm-hmm. when to sleep, when to wake up, when to go to the bathroom, when to have energy, when to not have it. Um, and so we've lost track of how to know our own body and what we feel. Um, yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. And as you were saying, I mean, now... And and I I do think meditation is great. I think still, you know, I think all of these beautiful practices are great. Um, and I will say, like, for me, my history, and so this is part of my lens, is that I grew up part of a spiritual community, which was amazing. It kept me alive. I'm very grateful for it. Um, and at the same time, it was meditate everything away. Hmm. The idea was, oh, we're supposed to transcend the body. The body is sort of this thing that we're supposed to just sort of leave behind. Um, It's the densest part of us. It's the lowest part of us, blah, 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 blah. So we're just supposed to transcend that. We're supposed to go up into our meditation. We're supposed to be Zen. We're supposed to be love and light at all times. Rainbows and unicorns. Um, Which, again, as I'm saying, kept me alive in a certain way based on my trauma and my... um, just, you know, what could have happened. And again, that was adaptive that became maladaptive for me because my trauma response is naturally to go into dissociation. Hmm. And so that helped. <laughs> that right. strengthened my, my trauma response. Um, <laughs> and so that's how it became maladaptive because now it was like, I just went there immediately i'm just not Mm. here i'm just not here i'm not feeling anything i'm not aware of my body i'm not in touch with anything that's happening um and you know just kind of floating above really not engaged in life in a big way and depression i mean that's what depression is you're not engaged in life you're shut down Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't until I I came across a teacher who did the physical body work um, and it was deep, intense body work that I was like, oh, I have so much pain hmm. here and I and I'm just bypassing it. Yeah. And a big thing that I always say is, you know, if there's a saber true tiger around the corner, sitting down and meditating is not the correct response. Right. That's a maladaptive response. Right. And a lot of the times what's happening in society is our body feels unsafe for mm. a myriad of reasons. No, generally there aren't saber true tigers around every corner now. We generally live in houses and have certain, you know, protections, but whatever reason our animal body might feel threatened. And so teaching ourselves like, oh, just sit down and meditate. It's like leaving behind all of this physiology that's going mayday, 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 mayday. Like the fire alarm is going off. Mm-hmm. Don't sit down and meditate. Right. Do do an impulse. Like follow, as you're saying, like feeling into that body, getting 
attuned to that in little tiny ways so that when the bigger stuff happens, it's like, oh, I want to flee this situation. Okay, I'm going to move my legs. Even if I'm not going to get up and move, I'm going to move my legs under the Mm -hmm. desk or Mm -hmm. wherever just so I can move that energy through me. Because a lot of trauma is just that stuck and stagnant energy within us. Mm -hmm. We're just... The more we we do what I was doing, I'm just leaving. Um, yeah. It's just getting more and more stuck. It's getting more and more stagnant in our actual system. Yeah. It's really cool to think about, you know, the example of like the, the tiger and wanting, you know, needing to express your movement. Um, I think about, you know, there's ideas that people have about like toxic masculinity as like whatever that expression means to everyone. But the idea that like there, you know, the way to not be a man in the modern era is to throw plates at the wall or to punch things or to smash items or to obviously to be violent against your partner and um, just have like outbursts or like go like rage drinking and stuff. Like those are things that we can see now as it's like, okay, well, we've always known that's a, not a way to express your emotion, you know, but until this is, this idea has been recently put to me, I thought, okay, I'm not going to be that kind of a man, right? That's not the kind of partner I'm going to be for my wife or my family. And so I'm going to be very calm and peaceful, like no matter what's going on. And so for a lot of time, I didn't really access any of the like aggressive parts of myself, right? Like if the t- saber tooth tiger was there, I might've been the meditating guy. Like maybe I'll try to usher my wife out of the way, but I'm like, I'm going to stay calm instead of bringing that energy. Because I thought that was kind of like trained out of me socially. Um, And not that I'm like blaming my family and stuff, but there is an element of social engineering there to, to, you know, even though we all, yeah, there's still like football and, you you know, UFC is all huge and stuff, but, um, but it wasn't until the last few months where I started going to like martial arts and doing, uh, like more intense workouts to be reminded that I am supposed to use that energy that would have been called like negative or toxic is, is just natural and it should be used positively. Right. And I think that, I mean, for me, I think that's a big, big piece of, of what's happening in society is just like that the men are being, you know, you're not allowed to raise your voice. You're not allowed to have these, like you're not allowed to express these women too both and healthy aggression is vital it's Mm -hmm. vital it's life force energy moving through us so the more we tamp that down the more depression the more stagnation the more like just oh i'll just go to sadness like no you're angry Mm -hmm. you don't like so many of us override anger into another emotion because it's like it's so uncomfortable or we don't know what to do with it Mm-hmm. Again, we're not taught, like, go push against a wall and just feel your muscles activate. Mm-hmm. Go do martial arts. Go for a walk. Go, like, just move the energy through you. Growl. I mean, that that's one of my favorite things is, like, especially if you're at work or, like, around family or something, go to the bathroom and growl. Because yeah. that's naturally what our animal body wants mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, and and you've heard me say this over and over again, of like find the healthy and um, safe ways to express the energy in some organic way that's following an impulse 
no, I'm definitely not advocating that you go up and punch someone. Absolutely not. Do not do that. But go to the bathroom and, you know, bare your teeth. Allow your vocalization because in the animal body, that's generally like what an animal would do. If they feel threatened, if they're angry, it's like, or put like, you know, grab something and just feel into it. And the more we can do that being really connected. So that's another thing of like, there's a lot of cathartic work that people do like screen therapy, um, Mm. you know, just punching and punching bag as hard as you can, as long as you can, that kind of thing. That can be great. Um, it's a release of energy. It's better than nothing. <laughs> and it's yeah. it's better than pushing it down. Um, and the next stage is to do something where you still are really, really connected in your body and feeling what's happening. Yeah. Not just punching, but like pushing or, you know, if you want your hands and fists, pushing your fist into a pillow or something, but doing it slowly and connected where you're feeling every muscle get activated Mm -hmm. and then pausing and feeling into your body. Okay. The impulse is to do it again, or the impulse is to do something else. Maybe the energy moves and now it's like, Oh, my feet want to push against Hmm. something, you know? So it's really that like, again, following the intelligence of the body, following those impulses that are going to get you to get the energy out in a healthy, healthy way. Right. It makes sense. You know, and I think honestly, a lot of people would hear it and be like, this is really silly. Like, I'm not going to go to the bathroom and growl like that's, you know, but I would rather just and then the alternative is what you just hold it in until you have some outburst that's inappropriate. Or like you said, you misinterpret it or you, you direct it into a emotion that's more socially acceptable like sadness and then instead of being angry for a bit you just you could be depressed for months or years or something um yeah yeah, it it makes sense i've been practicing some of these things um some of these intentional ways of changing my body in order to change my emotions and my mind and it has been really helpful and uh it was a a little awkward at first to do some of the things like wringing the towel um Mm -hmm. things like that but just like with anything, after you do something a few times, it's no longer weird. You know, like the first time I ever went to yoga, I felt really out of place. The 20th time I went to yoga, it was like I was comfortable. So it's just like that with all of it. It takes practice. Yeah. And again, as we were saying earlier, it's like none of us were taught this. Right. Very much taught the opposite. So it's yeah. sort of it mm-hmm. is that rewiring. Again, there was an adaptation to fit in and to conform and do all that. And now we're having to unwire that mm-hmm. because it's become maladaptive yeah. and to rewire in new things and new ways of being so that we can just have more expression, have more availability mm-hmm. within our systems to navigate things, have more choices, have an ability to be engaged. I mean, to be authentically engaged in the experience of life in the somatic experience that's happening with for you or within you or whatever Mm -hmm. in the relational dynamic, always keeping in mind, of course, the healthy, you know, safe ways to do it. But how can you move that energy? Because that's, that's the aliveness. That's Mm -hmm. the experience. The more we, you know, tamp down one thing, we tamp down all of them. Yeah. And kids are really good. You know, I'm hearing you talking. I was just reminded of little kids, like little kids that haven't been like, uber socialized by the systems they will growl at your face and they will come up to you and punch and kick you or they'll like 
cry or they'll laugh with such happiness or they'll just like squeal with glee you know they uh That's yeah it has to be like taught out of us to connect yeah. because we have to like you're saying the the holistic somatic experience is true healthiness healthfulness and wellness right it's like i think a lot of times i had an image of healthful healthiness and wellness being kind of it involved having like the appearance of someone well put together and um you know i drink my smoothies and i do my push-ups and i'm like you know i don't smoke cigarettes but i what you're describing is more holistic and it brings in our our animal nature and that can overall lead us to higher health which health is the what leads us to all of our potential and freedom and creativity right i mean health is tied to all of that yeah i mean just think about it if you're trying to hold everything in like so, <laughs> excuse me every emotion every you know all this energy within your system you're trying to like box it up and make it into this nice little neat little spot that's going to take so much energy mm-hmm. to like continually hold that versus like, oh, let me move what's there. And then I'm actually able to be present and with it and life versus like, oh, I'm just focused on this. I'm, I All of my energy has to be on. No, I don't feel anything. I'm not going to express it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. express anything. Yeah. It's tired. <laughs> Yeah, I'm serious. I'm I'm saying this very personally. It is tiring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has more energy. It's true. It's like it's more it's more efficient to just get out of our own way and stop trying to cover up uh, all of this, but to process through it healthy um, to allow us to expand, you know, Uh, because have you noticed, you know, in your life from the example that you're setting is like as you've experienced more depth and wholeness in your health your life has flourished in in other ways you know there's got to be like a connection to all of that yeah absolutely massively and i always just want to say i'm not sitting here being like i'm perfect and i you know i do this perfectly all the time but like for me sympathetic activation such as an anger response is still uncomfortable in my system, like I, that's my edge. I'm still working on growing greater capacity in order to be with that experience. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always a work in process. I believe we're always kind of, there's new layers, there's new things to be growing into. Um, and yes, it is leaps and leaps and heaps bounds better than I ever used to be. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, continually working on it. But I mean, when I say that, you know, the spiritual bypassing and all that saved my life, I mean, part of my history was that I became, I had my first suicidal thoughts at three years old oh, wow. and was in deep, deep depression from three until sometime in my mid twenties. Um, wow. And, you know, from the outside, people thought that I was fine, but inside I just felt completely dead. And it was really this, Mm. like, just, oh, I'm, you know, all of these things had happened that were just like, oh, I I have to keep everything in and down. And then at four was introduced into this spiritual community and was like, oh, this is my, this is my, you know, safety. I'll just not be here. Um, 
So for me, it, it's still that long road of being very, very here, very in my body. Yeah. Um, and especially with more of that sympathetic charge where it just still feels a little like, ah, like, how do I hold this? Mm-hmm. How do I go into the bathroom and growl enough to get this out right <laughs> now? Because there's yeah. still, you know, pieces under there. Um, and getting better at it, always getting better at it. But I, I mean, I have not had... I have I'm I I haven't had depression since my mid twenties because yeah. of getting into this work because I got introduced to the more of the body work more of the somatic based body work of really going into those uncomfortable areas and learning to be with them and growing more and more capacity and expressing more being more authentic yeah. and. Just, I mean, it's, it's all the things you experience more of the low, but you experience way more of the high. Right. So it's like, yeah, you gotta, I mean, it's life. It's part of life. It's part of being with everything that being a human is. I joke Mm -hmm. all the time with clients because they'll be like, well, but so-and-so is going to do X, Y, and Z again. And blah, blah. One of my favorite, my phrases is usually like, well, people are going to people. Yep are just going to be themselves they are going to people for you it's like how can you deepen your experience of yourself mm-hmm. that's the only thing we have any yeah. and i don't want to use the word control but that's the only thing we have access to really within ourselves is like what is my experience going to be what's my intention with my life now my intention is to be with as much as possible mm-hmm. to experience as much as possible authentically within myself as it comes up yeah yeah it's so true and it's a lifelong practice because there's like more things just keep unfolding you know one of the things like as i started to go down this road of not only like well it's been the road of my personal health but it's also been at the same time understanding and being coming awakened in the last few years to the the nature of the system and the social engineering and the mind control and all that the propaganda that is like feeding us 24 seven, trying to manipulate us. Right. Um, everything from the school, the media, we, we, we understand all that, but what, what I can't, what I, what I wasn't expecting is that the more truth I tried to uncover, I was limited in my ability to respond to that truth with how much my body was healthy. And so it's like, I can't like, I wouldn't have been able to get this far into a podcast if I hadn't have like almost cut and drinking completely out of my life. You know, I wouldn't have been able to pursue martial arts the way I have been in the last few months if I hadn't quit like smoking weed, you know. Um, and it's just crazy because it's that awareness that you're talking about um, that is kind of a way to unlock our potential. And people don't it's just not made obvious all the time. Like, well, the alcohol and the, and the weed and the TV, like those are part of our normal everyday lives. It's yeah. considered average to let those things consume you daily for decades. It's nine o'clock um, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you can't begin to do like for, personally, I wouldn't be able to do the work you're describing to feel into my body to see how, if I was intoxicated or like dopamined yeah. out from from the the screens and stuff. And so, um, it can be overwhelming to think about where to begin with all the work. Uh, Yeah. And I'll say with that, I do think that certain, 
certain things can be used intentionally in terms of um, even alcohol or TV or screens or whatever. There's certain times I think that it can help you regulate your system in Hmm. terms of if you're overwhelmed, if things are just too chaotic and you're just like, I just need a break for a minute Mm -hmm. because going into it is too overwhelming. Like it's beyond your capacity. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking about the capacity, I'm talking about like window of tolerance within your autonomic nervous system to be with something. So if it's way too out there, it's like, yeah, okay, have that rather than like go into extreme trauma response sure. um, and use that sort of intentionally in terms of like, okay, I'm going to do this so that I can just regulate for a minute just so I can come back to a little bit of like homeostasis so that then I can like start again or like go into this. Um, Not as a full, um, what am I trying to escape? And especially not like unconsciously just, you know, going into it. I personally, um, I personally choose like a completely sober life in terms of um, external stimulants or depressions. You know, I haven't, I haven't yeah. had alcohol. Uh, I usually have no idea. I think it's probably like 14 years now or something. Wow. Um, That's I, unbelievable. I've, never done a, I've actually never done a single uh, recreational drug. I'll mm. say, I mean, people count alcohol and I, I was a drinker prior to yeah. 14 years ago. Um, but I've never done a, a, diff- a recreational drug in terms of like weed or anything like that. Mm. And I, I feel like for me, um, it was like something within me, as I'm saying with my history, just being starting at three, I feel like there was a part of me that like higher knew like, you're not going to survive that. Like if you go down mm. that road, mm-hmm. you're going to like it too much. And it's it like dissociation, as I was saying, was already my go-to. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I feel like if I had like, oh, I can take this external thing to experience that, like, I don't know that I would have survived. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. Um, my vice is TV. I do really like, <laughs> you know, most of my joke, because especially when I was in my, in, in deep in <laughs> my PhD program, like a 30 minute sort of, you know, not high quality or anything like 30 minute comedy was like yeah. my go-to. And it was like, well, I was so deep in like trauma and studying all these things and hearing these like horrific stories and case studies and everything that I was like, I just need like, I need my mind to just have like a moment. That's fair. That's what I mean by having those times when it's like, okay, I'm, I am a little, I'm at capacity. I need something that's just going to lighten me for a moment. And that's like intentionally being like, okay, I'm consciously choosing to watch this crap. I mean, it's not, I'm not learning anything. I'm not doing this for my deeper self-awareness. This is literally just for me to like have a moment yeah. of a break. That's- and I know people use, you know, alcohol or weed or whatever in that case. And, and I think that's, you know, do what you need to do. It's when it's not conscious mm-hmm. and when it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's flowing more into the like, Oh, I just have to do this. Yeah. Or, that makes sense. This is just what Yeah, it sounds like you're describing like the difference between like a medicinal dose versus like a toxic dose, you know? And it's like Yeah. Uh yeah, cuz we definitely enjoy our uh our reality dating shows. 
in this house and it does feel restorative sometimes it goes way too far where i'm like this is not healthy but there is a level where it's like this is um this level of like checking out and lightheartedness and you know it hits that like gossip nerve or whatever it just feels good uh but yeah you're yeah, right there's because, I, yeah because there is there is so much darkness in the world like there really mm -hmm. is and especially if you're on more of the you know the truth or journey or the the deep self-awareness work things like that it's like we do need breaks our system is not made to know what's happening all around the world 24 7. Mm -hmm. that's not how we developed we're adapting to it i think to a certain degree and at the same time like we need just we need moments of calm for our system and, yeah. you know, maybe that's a hike in the woods and that's enough, but maybe it's also like, you know, it's already dark out or it's not, you know, you don't have access to that or whatever. You're not a bad person for like watching, you know, for whatever, sure. or, you know, doing whatever you need to do in order to regulate yourself if there isn't capacity there. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. It's a good yeah, it's good to know there's like, it's not just black and white, you know, we all have our limits and everyone's different. Um, and it's so interesting, like, I have a real, I get, I pour myself into these things that would be considered toxic, like way too much. Like if, you know, when my wife and I were drinking more, I would be like, I would just, I could just drink so much. And when it came to the TV, like, I don't know what it is, but um, like, she got me into watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and stuff, right? <laughs> so we would do some of that. And uh, she would just sit there casually, like, knitting or, or you know, making dinner or whatever. And I swear, like, I don't know what the difference was, but I would be on Twitter following the arguments between the people in the show or the comments. And my wife would be like, I didn't even know you could follow The Bachelor on Twitter. And I'm, like, in the comments, like, totally going in all the way. Um and I was just like, what is the deal? I just dive too deeply into these like unhealthy things. Um, and so it's been helpful for me to pull back and to bring other physical things in, you know, like I've been prioritizing getting a lot more sun. And like I was mentioned before, like working out harder through like, I used to think that I would run enough and I'm like, okay, I run, I run a lot, but I still had all this energy for this like unhealthy bullshit. And then I started to do jujitsu and Muay Thai a little bit. And then I didn't have any energy for anything. Like, and so my, my body was really used positively, you know, and then I wasn't interested in the Twitter bachelor world. Like it's ridiculous yeah, totally. to even admit that, but that's, um, so to acknowledge like, okay, my body needs, I have excess energy and emotion. Um, how do I use it appropriately? Yeah, and it's going to be different for every person, you mm -hmm. know, and like if that's what does it or if it's something else or, you know, how they want to do it. Um, I will say I, I got into The Bachelor for like two seasons, um, but be my careful. favorite part was like psychoanalyzing. I, re I love mm. psychoanalyzing characters yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that that show is, is pretty well, ripe. For, well, you'd have for a, a lot. You could probably do a whole YouTube. You'd be so famous, probably like Sophie psychoanalyzes the uh, Bachelor. Would, I would watch that. That would be my excuse. I'd be like, I'm not watching the Bachelor. I'm watching Sophie psychoanalyze the Bachelor. It's different. It's, yeah. it's for my health. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I know a big part of your work has also been about touch, and mm -hmm. um, my day job is I work for a major health app. 
like a health and wellness mm-hmm. weight loss app. And I'm a health, I'm a coach. And so I, mm-hmm. I message people from all over the world. They, they text the app and the app provides them with me. And I get to be like, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm eating too much. I drink too much wine. Christmas is coming. There's a wedding, blah, blah, blah. And we just mm-hmm. kind of talk about their health goals and try to create goals that are realistic and kind of talk people off the ledge sometimes. But I got hired during the middle of the pandemic in 2020 mm-hmm. when it all like popped off and there was lockdowns and mm-hmm. the app is available for people all over the world. And so I was talking to people in Australia and in London or the UK all around that were locked down, you know, and uh, and it was so tragic. You know, it's like people are like, we're all locked because it was worse than in the United States, which yeah. is and so I'm talking to like 68 year old women that live alone in London that can no longer go to the park or the grocery store. And they were just, um, everybody's health was crashing, which is why yeah. the, the company I work for really did well during the pandemic. Um, and we all know that touch is important, but I hadn't really heard people talk about anything in depth about it until I started listening to you. Um, so yeah, would you tell it's, us? Yeah, I find it funny because I I started what that, I mean touch interrelational dynamics of physical contact was um, the focus of my dissertation hmm. um, for the PhD, and uh, that topic. When did I start? I mean, 2018, I think, is when that topic kind of started percolating within me. Um, and then 20, no, it must have been 2017. Then 2018 is when I had to declare. Um, so that's when you propose your dissertation topic mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of that fun stuff. And so um, it was interesting because in my head, it was like, you know, I had, I had classmates, cohort members who were doing, you know, their dissertations on PTSD and just, you know, deep, bigger topics in my head kind of thing. And then I was like, I'm just researching touch. Like, I wonder how that's going to go, but it it wouldn't leave me alone kind of thing. And, and then it ended up that I was doing my actual research. So interviewing people for my dissertation in the summer of 2020. So when like everything, when touch was like the, you know, biggest controversial issue. Touch was like almost illegal. Right. It was, I just found it so kind of funny for myself where I was like, you know, I was saying like, oh, I'm just doing this sort of like airy fairy topic or whatever. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm in like the thick of it. Yeah, <laughs> really. I'm not allowed to talk about this at all. Yeah. Um, and even my research was on hands-on body workers um, mm. and their experience, um, mainly because I wanted to sort of combine a bunch of things, which is one, um, practitioner self-care, which I think is something that isn't spoken about enough or taught about enough in trainings and schools. Um, And then I wanted to bring in more of the neuroscience parts in terms of parapersonal space. So the concept of parapersonal space is when you're in physical contact with something, part of your somatosensory cortex actually like starts mapping that thing as part of you. So Mm. it actually it, it sort of like melds into your sense of self. 
Um, and that hadn't been studied interpersonally yet. So it had, there'd been a lot of studies around it in mm. terms of like artificial limbs, right? you know, how people get an artificial limb and then they say like, oh, I can, t I can feel my fingertips, even though mm. it's an artificial limb. That's the parapersonal space has mapped that um, apparatus as part of you or something that a lot of people can relate to is um, one of my favorite examples is like, if you're in a parking garage and you're going under something low hanging and you duck, right? Consciously, I understand me ducking my physical head is not going to change anything about whether or not the top of the car hits something. But if it's my car and I've been in it a certain amount of times and stuff, my body has actually mapped it. Hmm. So the outside of the car starts to become, when I'm in it, feel like the outside of my body. Um, and so that was a piece of it. <laughs> and then also just this touch piece, you know, that that is really under-researched in terms of how vital touch is to our life and all the research that I came across is it's as vital as air and food oh wow like it's not a luxury it's yeah. not this nice thing that we need occasionally no it's actually keeps us alive we are social beings. Our brains are social. We need contact with others. Um, a baby who doesn't get contact does not survive, mm. doesn't develop. Um, they found that in the studies in the Romanian orphanages. Like you could, you could have the perfect physical, you know, perfect temperature, perfect amount of food, perfect blah, 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 blah you know, situation. And if a baby is not being physically touched by another person, they wither and some will die. Wow. That's how important it is. That's yeah. how vitally important it is. And then we went into this crazy lockdown of like, no one's allowed to touch. And I had certain friends, as you're saying, who lived alone. And it's like, I mean, that took a massive, massive toll, mm -hmm. massive toll. Um, yeah. I mean, if you don't have a pet, you can get the stimulation from a pet. I mean, mm -hmm. all these things, they've, they, there's so much research, but it's not like really commonly known. And touch is the least, even with all this research, touch is the least research sense of any of the senses. Hmm, that's crazy. Um, yeah. And uh, there's parts of it where it's like part of that um, is that it's so common. So people don't think about it as like, mm, oh, it needs yeah. to be searched. Um, it's like the what's then, water thing. Like a taboo thing. Yeah. You oh, know, like wow. another reason why I, I, I worked with touch practitioners, like body, body workers specifically is because I was like, if I walk down the street and ask 10 people their experience of touch, I'm going to get weird answers. Right. You know, like a lot of people just immediately sort of conflate it with sexual contact. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, that's not specifically what I was studying. So right. it's like this really interesting thing. And then even as you were talking about um, with men, men are way less physically touched than females. Mm -hmm. And so, one, we live in a touch-hungry, a touch-starved society, but men are really, really getting hit so hard by that. Like, m most men from the research that I read stop getting, like, cuddles. Mm 
and stuff around five, six years old. Hmm. And so even as you're saying like aggression coming out, part of the way that men get physical contact, the main ways are sports, aggression, and sexuality. Hmm. Yeah. And then we're like, don't do any of those. Right. You're not allowed to do any of those. Yeah. It's like if you take food away from someone, they're going to go crazy trying to get it. Right. Yeah. So we're in wow. this sort of like crazy predicament and mm -hmm. it was all just so, so compounded with what happened. Yeah. Um, it's mm. really, yeah, it's sad. It is. Yeah. Fun. It's important that you're doing that work, thinking about it and talking about it because we do kind of take it for granted. You know, it reminds me of that thing like uh, where the fish, I forget who, whose thing it is, a famous thing where it's like the two fish mm. are swimming. He's like, hey, how's the water? And, yeah. Yeah. It's like, what water? It's like, well, how's your touch? It's like, what touch? You, you know, it's like, exactly. you don't even really think about it, but uh, it is, it is so important. It's crazy to imagine men unsubconsciously reaching out in violence to get this touch any way that they can, even if it's like with terror or whatever. Um, yeah. It's funny. You mentioned the thing about, you know, people could thinking about it in those ways, like sexuality or, or violence. I was listening to this guy that I learned about from here for the truth, Jaguar heart. And he was saying mm -hmm. that he does, a, he does a lot of uh, therapy for women specifically with sexual trauma. And as a man, that's really rare. And one of the things that he suggests for men is to touch your woman in a way that isn't sexual or that doesn't always lead to something sexual to neutralize yeah. the touch. You know, we don't have to have sex or violence. There can be touch in the middle. That's like, uh, yeah, friendly touch. I'm sure there's a Greek word for whatever the friendly yeah. love is, but um, yeah. yeah, you know, I have friends that are men. I have one friend in particular who, He'll like rub my shoulders and he'll put his arm around me and stuff. And um, he's one of my best friends. And it's always made yeah. me uncomfortable. And yeah. now I want to talk to him about it. I want to be like, why are you so touchy, man? Because I always appreciate it. But it, it does mm -hmm. give me that feeling where it's like kind of like back <laughs> off, you know. Uh, but yeah, I know that's a yeah. cultural. It's cool. It's, I mean, I do think there's a massive cultural piece in that of like men don't touch. Men aren't mm -hmm. aff physically affectionate, but you know, there is research on like, if a sports team touches physically each other more, they're better. Hmm. And there is, there's also, um, I came across this interesting study. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but they had interviewed college students about their sexual experiences um, and the vast majority, it was higher, higher females admitted this, but there were men who admitted this too, that they had sex because they wanted cuddling hmm. and the two were like linked, but they couldn't, there was like, they didn't understand that they could just do one, right. like they could just like that. That's not an option. I think, mm. especially men, it's like so frowned upon. Like, oh, you just want to snuggle? Like, are you okay? What's wrong? Yeah, kind of seriously. Thing. Whereas, like, that is so healing for our systems. It's right. so healing to be held. It's so healing to just have a hand, hold hands, or have a hand on your shoulder, things like that. Where it's like, again, we're, we're social beings. Mm -hmm. What are you know monkeys? 
doing so much of the time they're grooming each other they're touching they're in each other's spaces Mm -hmm. and i mean we're really we're meant to be doing that so much more Mm -hmm. because it's such it's 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 the ventral vagal stimulation. It's the, it's all of these things that are so healthy for us to have that. And yeah. and it has just been so skewed um, because of certain social norms and judgments and all of that. That's mm-hmm. like, Oh, you're not supposed to, or that's weird or whatever. And it's like, and it's also looking at your own trauma because touch is also a very, very, highly um trauma uh, how am i saying Figuring. this i'm saying this correctly yeah but a lot of people have trauma touch touch trauma mm-hmm. in their histories me included where it's like you know there was unwanted touch or there was certain aggression or any of these things and so yeah we learn again that adaptive behavior touch is unsafe and so we have to retrain our systems in a safe way that touch is safe, that touch is actually can be healing, that it can be good, that it can be soothing, all of these yeah. things. But if we have, you know, so much trauma around it, and and I will say that I do think that a lot of that traumatizing touch that most of us experienced is because of touch hunger. Mm-hmm. In other people where it's like yeah. they just they were like con- over consumed with like oh my god i need physical contact and they didn't know how to ask they didn't know how mm-hmm. to get it in a healthy way all those things and so it's sort of this like you know the chicken and the egg like how yeah. do we break this cycle well we all can start we can all start with self-touch yeah just to you know rub your own arm mm-hmm. hold your own hand like a lot of this, a lot of, and I say this in, in the beginning of my dissertation, like part of the inspiration of my thing was like, I noticed that when I was overstimulated, when I was like in an, in an emotional state, I would often like hold my own hand or like rub my own hand. Yeah. So I mean, it was like this instinctive thing. And, you know, I, both my parents are English. Um, the English culture is not known for its touchy feely, <laughs> yeah. you know, all of that. Um, and I came into the world being very touchy feely and then learning like, oh, that's not good. That's not acceptable. That's Mm. not what we do in this household. That's not, you know, culturally appropriate, all of those things. Um, and, and so I obviously at some point realized like, oh, I can self soothe (laughs) and to a certain degree by my own hand, start there, Mm -hmm. start with something where you're learning that touch can be neutral yeah get to neutral before you get to loving you know right work your way up it doesn't but like get start the process of like oh what does it feel like you know one of the <clears throat> the techniques and se technique is the self-hug so it's hmm. your your right hand under your left armpit your left hand on your upper shoulder um of your right arm so you're sort of in this hugging position and your hand with your right hand under your, under your armpit is sort of more attached to your heart mm. side. Oftentimes you can feel your own heartbeat in this way. Yeah. Just try this out. You're touching. 
Yeah. What does that feel like? Like oftentimes, I mean, this, this is often used as more of like a containment, um, self-holding, um, regulating technique. So it is a little bit more of like a calm down. Um, but even just, just sitting with that five seconds, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, we don't have to do these things for like, you know, hours, Yeah. but just start something and be like, Oh, what does that feel like? As mm-hmm. you're saying, you know, that we weren't taught these things. Um, start with your own self-exploration. Do this for five seconds. What does that feel like for me? What's the sensations that I'm aware of? Oh, I'm, my heart's beating a little faster. Oh, my breath changed a little bit. Or, oh, I actually felt a deep breath and I feel a little calmer in my mm. system. You know, any of those things where it's like, you're getting in tune with yourself first and foremost before you need to go, you know, I I remember there was this trend of um, like professional cuddlers. Yeah. I don't know if that's the thing. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Yeah. Do self, do, do with yourself before you go put yourself in those situations. You know, you don't have to jump in like massive deep ends, Mm -hmm. get comfortable with yourself, get comfortable with some touch, get, get comfortable with, you know, stimulation, like, oh, touch parts of your body, like, oh, where feels good, where it doesn't feel good, where do I like this, what, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things, those self explorations, yeah. first and foremost, before you need to, especially if there's a lot of trauma around mm-hmm. touching, start there. Yeah. Still those good. Are good reminders, those are really good practical tools for helping ourselves uh, just kind of reground and, you know, catch our breath and to feel, and because it's good to hear someone say that it's all okay, because a lot of us feel like that some of that is like weird or, or inappropriate or silly, but it's like literally your own body and your own life. And like, we're going, this is our one existence. You might as well explore all the ways that you can help yourself heal and move forward in the day without, with less anxiety. And um, yeah, I have one last question for you before we hang up, if that's all right. We, uh, you know, I happen to know from listening to you and your husband's uh, content that you guys have uh, a little bit of land and you have chickens and garden and fruit trees and stuff. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I think a lot of people get into this stuff. My wife and I just sold a property that had some of those things and we're looking to buy some as well. And there's a lot of people now more and more getting into like, you know, the homesteading thing and the self-sufficiency uh, and a lot of times it's from like a prepper perspective or like a reconnecting with nature, but listening to you and this is your specialty, but knowing that y'all spend so much time cultivating your land and working with your animals, what do you think about this touch thing being, being like beyond the human and going into like nature, animals and plants and dirt yeah. and all that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's huge. I think it's vital. I think it's a big piece of what a lot of modern society is missing um, where we're just not as in tune with the natural rhythms. Mm-hmm. Um, even as I was saying, like, if you have touch trauma and things like that, do it with something else. Do, an animal is amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> to do it with, yeah. to cuddle and snuggle and, you know, more socially acceptable, all of those things, like do that, do it with a tree. Do it with a little plant. Do it with some rosemary where you like, you know, have a scent too that's like, or a rose or something where it's like stimulating different senses. Um, have a conversation with a tree. I know that might be too weird for some people, but I really, I really think 
a large part of this is like, we are, yes, we have this higher consciousness. We have all these different faculties. And at the end of the day, like our body is an animal. And we are so removed from natural habitat. Yeah. So the more that we can be on the ground, be out in nature, be communing with animals and trees and bushes and the, you know, growing our own food, knowing where it came came from, all of that, I just think is, and I will say like, I'm not a green thumb by any means. I am, um, you know, most and I joke that it's like, you know, we're two like city people who just like are learning as fast as we can. Yeah. Um, a lot of trial and error. We've lost trees. Um, I chose in the end to put our rooster down. Um, and that was a big, that was a big rite of passage for me. I'd never, I'd been a meat eater, but I had never done mm. the whole process. Yeah. And I will say that having done that, like feels very different for me, like how mm -hmm. I relate to my food now. Um, so I think it's just like getting more, as you're saying, like deeper awareness is, is really being with all of life. And part of that is death. Part of that is failure. Part of that is not knowing what you're doing and doing the best you can. Um, it's yeah. So, and I don't think it's, I don't think it has to be for everybody. I don't think everybody has to go buy 10 acres and figure out how to live completely off the grid. I'm not doing that. I'm mm -hmm. I'm not ready for that. Or I don't even know if I'm interested in that. Um, I like to call it what we're doing bougie homesteading. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, we have a little bit of land. We're doing what we can. We're learning. We're, we're trying to bring life back to, to our little plot. And at the same time, like I can have sprouts groceries delivered in an hour. For because sure. we live 15 minutes from, you know, everything that we could possibly need in the LA area. So um, find the balance that works for you. This is the balance that works for us right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the step we could take. And I'm really grateful that we did. Um, but yeah, do what you can where you're... If you are in a city, you know, downtown somewhere, is there a tree that's growing on the side of the sidewalk? Is there a park somewhere? Is there, you know, I used to, <clears throat> I used to live four blocks from the ocean and I loved it because I would just walk down and watch the water. I just love the water. Um, things like that. Anything where you're, you're still putting yourself in the natural habitats in connection with everything around us. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's, that's definitely a piece that is, that can be so, so healing. Um, because oftentimes it's also, we don't usually, I'll say usually have a ton of trauma with like natural elements. True. So the more that we can cultivate relationships with that is going to create more and more safety within our systems mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Like be with an animal, you know, like really like yeah. start where you can be with it. Sure. And then go from there. I mean, people take, we'll take mushrooms and things like that and then be like, mm -hmm. yeah, you could talk to the, the plants and animals, but you're right. We don't have to access those kinds of like excuses almost in some instances, or, you know, we can access these options from wherever we are. Um, yeah. 
I have, I had one client who, who had a really hard time with boundaries and especially with people, there had just been so much trauma around it. And we started with a tree. It's mm. like, find a tree that feels, you know, pleasing to you in some way, whatever way that is and, and stand with it. And, and let's sort of like go back and forth with like, okay, this feels too close. This feels too far, you know, be Goldilocks. Like what feels, wow. <laughs> you know, just right to your system to be in this space with another thing. Yeah. And just feel into that and then work with that. And like, oh, what do you know? Again, going back to those sensations, what do you notice in your body that signals, oh, I'm too close. Oh, I'm too far. What mm-hmm. What is that signal within you? A lot of us have never really explored, like, what does safety feel like for you? What does fear feel like for you? Mm-hmm. What does a boundary crossing feel like for you? Not mentally, not intellectually, physically. What are the physical sensations that alert you? Like, oh, I'm safe right now. Or, oh, I'm not safe right now. You know, and then getting yeah. in tune with that and then working with that and being like, okay, where does that stem from? Where is that? you know, coming from where if Hmm. we put our intention on it, what happens, what moves, what, you know, all of, all the stuff. Um, Yeah. But yeah, start again, start with where you're at, start with where you can stay in awareness and stay in presence with something Hmm. and then go with that. We don't want to, we don't want to blow out the window of tolerance. We want to stay in capacity and just test the edges, just continually test the edges Little by little by little by little. Yeah. This isn't the, you know, somatic work. I wish it were, but it's not the quick fix, easy pill that you're going to take. And tomorrow is going to be completely different. <laughs> you right. know, it's a step-by-step process. Um, but it's the, the one that I have found so far and the one that I resonate with the most of like being the most here, present, engaged in life energized all of that fun stuff so yeah well i agree i really um i find your work really valuable it's been helping me a lot since i've been listening to some of your content the last few months i share everything with my wife um i was like pausing like did you know blah 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 um so we love talking about it and it's i you know it's great to hear uh, about your work and your wisdom because everything is so actionable like i you know i don't need any memberships to do what you think would be what the, the things you're suggesting that can help me heal in many levels it's, it's available readily to everyone no matter where you are um, with yourself and i think that's really powerful uh so yeah thanks for your work and for your wisdom um Sorry, thanks so much if uh if people want to find you or get a, a hold of you where should they go i recommend people searching your name on the podcast apps because that's where i listen to your stuff uh, cool thanks. but where else would they uh, find you yeah you can do that i have a, a website um sophie fletcher phd.com and you can message me through there as well um so if you want to be in contact go there um i do have instagram i won't i don't talk about a lot of this stuff on there i'm potentially going to um but that's sophie fletcher.phd so yeah search me contact me through the website is probably the best and yeah. And then I also, I do see clients in person. I also work online. So even though, you know, it's somatic based, obviously I can't do the physical um, body work online or anything like that. But mm-hmm. um, as I was saying, we I, I also use a lot of talk modalities that are somatic based. 
So that's hmm. a big piece of my work. Human design is a big piece of my my mm. just love passion thing that I love to explore and do with people as well. Um, and then I do hold uh, three day retreats. Um, oh, cool! Panga with a co facilitator as well. Hmm. Um, so yeah, cool. That sounds awesome. We'll uh, we'll definitely look you all up if we get out there to the LA area, and I'll put all your 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 links and stuff in the show notes. Great. Thanks Thank so you. much. This was yeah. wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Sophie. I look forward to seeing you in the future through more of, uh, you know, the rise of the herd stuff and places like that. But thank you so much again yeah. for your time. Well, yeah, you can all, you can definitely find me on, you know, the, the rise of the herd. I'm, mm. I'm a coach in there. Um, and on their, uh, FOTT, I do some calls in there as well and stuff like that. So just to promote, promote Yerasimos and Joel here for the truth. Yeah, They're it's a great awesome. community they've built, and to have you a part of it is so much, uh, so much added value. So, all right, well, thanks so much, Sophie, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Okay, thanks so much. Bye. Bye. All right, well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening, and if you would like to support the show, you can make a donation on PayPal. You can find me at Mr. Paul Bry at M R P A U L B R I. Or feel free to pick up a copy of my book uh, recently on Amazon called International Backpacking and Domestic Travel, What I Learned While Traveling the World, a Comprehensive How-To Guidebook. You'll find that link below in the show notes. Take care, thanks again, and grow food, not fear.